Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world. This is the Doc Bryant Show, and I am your host, Doc Bryant. Why, Doc? Because I was a Navy combat corpsman, Navy and Marine Corps combat corpsman, for six years, and that is the name that they call us, and that is the name that is tattooed on my soul. Welcome to the show. This show is about what is currently happening in the world, in the United States specifically, and uh, being looked through from a biblical perspective. That being the case, I wanted to talk about a, uh, a historical rhyme, if you will. There's an old saying attributed to um, Mark Twain that says that history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And I believe we're seeing that right now, specifically again with the United States. But I want to go back a long time ago, between... 926 and 922 BC, the king of Israel, Solomon, died, and Rehoboam took over the reign of the country. Well, the majority of the tribes of Israel uh, decided to revolt against Rehoboam, and it was largely Rehoboam's fault because he wanted to continue his father's practices uh, and extravagances and uh, increase or maintain the very high taxes that were a large burden on the people of Israel. And so Israel split into two nations Israel in the north, whose capital was Samaria, and Judah in the south, whose capital remained Jerusalem. Israel, uh, well, the two became or stayed separate nations for about 200 years. Israel instantly went against God and stayed against God. Uh, I don't believe there, in, in all of the books of Kings and Chronicles, I don't think there was ever a single king of Israel that is referred to as having been a righteous king. Whereas in Judah, they kind of went back and forth for a long time. Uh, but Israel went straight to um, worshiping other gods, it didn't start out necessarily that way, but they did follow the practices of uh, that the Hebrews followed going even further back uh, under Moses when Moses was getting the Ten Commandments from God and he was absent for an extended period of time. The Israelites, uh, the Hebrews, requested a physical manifestation of God, something that they could see and touch 
to worship. And that is when Aaron went ahead and made the golden calf. Well, let's again fast forward to the brand new separatist nation of Israel. And the same thing happened where their king, because they could not worship in Jerusalem at the temple anymore, set up two golden calves, one in the north and one in the south of Israel, for people to worship. It's kind of interesting how the people of Israel uh, in general uh, exhibited this practice that we humans have of wanting to be able to see what we worship instead of having faith in God. Uh, the Israelites did this actually uh, in the book of, or after the book of Judges, when they requested from Samuel that God give them a king. And Samuel warned them, God warned them through Samuel, that God was their king, and they did not need a physical king. And they got a physical king after again requesting it. And God predicted what was going to happen to the nation of Israel, the split that was going to occur at that point when it happened about the taxes and, and about being conscripted into the army and so on and so forth. <clears throat> so here we have Israel that has split into two nations, and one of the nations has set up its own gods, although they said that they were worshiping the same god. It wasn't the same god, because the god that they claimed to be worshiping had given them very specific law indicating that they should not create idols or graven images. And, well, that's what they did. Those were like the, the first rules in, in the Ten Commandments, is, is not setting up any graven images, not worshiping anything other than God. And that's what they did. Now we can fast forward here to the United States. And we have done very much the same thing. <clears throat> we had set up, originally, a very good system of government, a Republican system of government, a system of government where the people were in control of the government. The people in the states were in control of the central government, and now that has been reversed. See, over time, we, the people, decided to abdicate our responsibilities to the legislature, to the federal government. The federal government decided to abdicate their responsibilities to the executive and the executive continued with the permission of the legislature to create an ever-growing bureaucracy run by unelected bureaucrats. And now we have 
what is almost entirely a monarchy where the executive is the most powerful part of the federal government and the federal government lords over lords itself over the states that's what's happened politically what has happened spiritually is uh, very similar also to what happened to Israel. You see, we, in the name of tolerance, started to accept the worship of other gods. Now, we didn't consider it the worship of other gods. We considered it, again, we were being, we were being tolerant because we, we fell for this, this lie, this misconception of our God, Jesus Christ, who is one of the three persons of the one God, Yahweh. That Jesus was uh, tolerant of sin that sin was actually just alternative lifestyles, that in loving the sinner, we should tolerate the sin. All of this based on the belief that the individual the individual's identity is founded in their behavior, that it cannot be separated from their behavior. Now, please note that we are to love the sinner, but not the sin. So the Bible very clearly indicates that the sin and the sinner are two different things. The world has told us and we fell for the idea that the sin and the sinner are exactly the same thing. And therefore, if we did not tolerate the sin, we hated the sinner. And this is where the whole concept of hate speech, etc., etc., has come from. And, and that uh, speech is violence. Because you, you do not tolerate my lifestyle, then you want to kill me. That's the concept that was put forth. And of course, we as Christians wanted to be meek and mild-mannered like our, our Christ was, or at least like the world was selling the idea that our Christ was like. He was and is not, ladies and gentlemen. He is not and was not tolerant of sin. He loved the sinners. That's why he came to die on the cross. That is why he came to save us from our sin. And again, the Bible very clearly states that he came to do this so that he could save us from our sin, so that he could completely and permanently separate us from our sin, if indeed we choose to accept it and 
be separated from our sin. Now, many people do not. But this insidious lie led us to allow the camel's nose under the tent to allow the snake into the house or into the garden, as it were. And with this tolerance came the worship of ancient gods again. Now, it didn't play itself out the same way that it did in Israel, exactly. But the same practices came about and have now manifested themselves severely and extremely with sexual immorality, which was the hallmark of idol worship back in ancient Israel, and it is the hallmark of idol worship today. Now, the practitioners do not openly say that they are worshiping Asherah or Ishtar uh, or Inanna. It's all the same spirit, uh, the spirit of sexual immorality. But it's the same goddess. It's not a real god. Granted, it's, it's a demonic spirit, but the worship is exactly the same. It leads to sexual immorality. It leads to the twisting of sexual identity. The twisting of male and female from what God created them to be into what, oh, into 180 degrees out of phase of what God created them to be. It, 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 it twists men to become more effeminate and behave like women. It twists women to become more masculine, behave like men. It destroys marriage and the institution of marriage. And that is what is going on today. And just like in ancient Israel, where they set up these new gods and, and even claimed that God himself was not what he is, they're doing the same thing today. We have a story out of Manhattan where the Church of St. Paul the Apostle hosted an exhibit calling or saying that God is trans, a queer spiritual journey. This is a Catholic church, folks. This is a Catholic church. The wildly offensive series of paintings, and this story comes from Gateway Pundit, the wildly offensive series of paintings have been placed next to the church's altar. The artist described the exhibit as, quote, a queer spiritual journey in three steps, sacrifice, identity, and communion. The Post reports that 
according to the exhibit, sacrifice represents the need to shed an old life. Identity is described as the most impactful part of the display, asking the question, what does holiness look like? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, right there, that statement right there, let's go all the way back to the very beginning. What were the first words that the serpent spoke to Eve? Did God really say? The very first thing that the serpent did was to cast doubt on what God had told them, to cast doubt on the word of God. Once you cast doubt on the word of God, then you can start to twist the word of God. And that is exactly, exactly what is happening right here. What does holiness look like? If you want to know what holiness looks like, ladies and gentlemen, you have, and you're a Christian, you have to look no further than the Bible. That is as far as you have to look. Now, Granted, and this is a big problem I have with the Catholic Church, and it, is, it has been a problem of the Catholic Church since its foundation, is that they have put, and, and this actually go before the Catholic Church, you can go to the Pharisees, you can go to the Jews, and they set up traditions of men and eventually put them above or equal to the scriptures, the word of God. And so here, in a Catholic church, we have this obviously very anti-Christian display asking the question, did God really say what does holiness look like well in order for us to find out what god really said we have to look no further again than the bible i continue with the quote communion places quote god and the mortal on the same plane what else did satan say in the garden ladies and gentlemen if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. Folks, this is, this is amazing. This is amazing. And not shocking at all, because Satan does this every day. Not quite as blatantly, but he does this to believers and non-believers every day. He uses the same line over and over again. You know why? Because it works. It works. And so that's why he continues to use it. But this is the exact same thing that Satan did to Adam and Eve. And he's still doing it to us today. And he's doing it in a Catholic church right now. Now, I'm not saying this to emphasize that there is some kind of major irony in this 
there isn't. There is no major irony in this. This is very proof that just because you're in a church does not mean you're on holy ground, folks. And it doesn't matter what the church is. I have said this multiple times. Being in a church makes you Christian. Going to church makes you Christian. Just like standing in a garage makes you a car. You are not a Christian just because you go to church. And just because there is a church building does not mean that God is there. And and I could get into a whole bunch of stuff about the history of the Catholic Church, but I'm not going to do that because I don't have a beef with the Catholic Church per se. There are many, many, many very good Christian people who are members of the Roman Catholic Church. I myself am not a big fan of various denominations, etc., etc., but they exist. And if you are part of a particular denomination, it doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. I am not saying that at all. I am, however, saying that churches, denominations can and have been hijacked, can be and have been hijacked in the past by Satan to serve out his purposes. And here you go. If you need any more proof, there it is. So now we have Ishtar worship manifesting itself in a church. And it's, it's not unusual that this is going on in New York City either. New York City is and has been the gateway to the United States. So we are seeing this kind of worship going on. We also see Baal worship happening as well. Baal worship and, and Moloch worship and the sacrifice of children to the tune of 63 million and counting. And because of the way the United States was politically created as a federalist society, those states that find this behavior abhorrent have decided that they want no part of it any longer and that they are going to exercise their constitutional rights to sovereignty from the federal government of the United States. You see, again, going back to the political realities of the situation, the Constitution very, very, very clearly states that if the federal government has not specifically been granted a power under the Constitution of the United States, those powers fall to the people and to the states. And the federal government has been doing a whole bunch of stuff since the 60s and maybe even earlier than that, since after World War II, perhaps even earlier than that. Uh, I think we can go back to Woodrow Wilson, actually, is, is when this really started. But the federal government has been involved in things that it has no business being involved in. 
for a long time. Again, because the people and the states have uh, abdicated their constitutional authority to the federal government. And now the states that find these practices, these political practices abhorrent, the political practices of uh, the embracing of the uh, sexual immorality, the embracing of illegal immigration, the embracing of uh, child sacrifice through abortion, etc., etc. The states, several states are now saying, no, we don't want anything to do with that. And we have a, a huge rift between what we now call blue states and red states, or what I call more accurately free states and slave states. And as I have stated before, all of this is playing out politically, but the political stuff is just a, uh, a manifestation, a physical, material manifestation of what is going on in this country spiritually. Now, I have said before also that I believe that there is a Christian revival going on, starting to happen in the United States. And I believe that that is the case, and I believe that's partially the reason why this is all going on. It is pushing an enormous, putting an enormous amount of pressure on Satan's side, and Satan is responding by lashing out. And I have stated that this could play out in many, many different ways. But the more that I look at the situation and looking at it through my understanding of uh, biblical prophecy that has not yet come to pass, I came to a realization this weekend, actually. And I've been saying... uh, previously as well, that our political situation in the United States could play out in multiple different ways. Uh, the, the, uh, we could go on through 2024, have a halfway legitimate election, and return power, political power, to the people of the United States. That could theoretically happen, though the more that I see, uh, the less I think that that is going to be the case. The more that I see going on, uh, the more I'm thinking that we are indeed going to have some type of national divorce. I do not think that the United States is going to traverse the next couple of years and come out the other end in one piece. And I believe that that is going to be, if that is the case, if that happens, if there is a national divorce, and it, you know, however it plays out, and there are multiple ways that that could play out, um, 
if there is a national divorce, that is going to be a major step, huge step towards the uh, fulfillment of the Ezekiel 38 prophecy. And for those of you who are not familiar with the Ezekiel 38 prophecy, the Ezekiel 38 prophecy describes a time where Israel is surrounded by uh, a massive army of multiple nations led by Russia, Iran, and Turkey. But it's going to be nations from northern and uh, eastern Africa, uh, all of the Stan brothers, you know, Afghanistan, basically all of the old Ottoman Empire. And the, these nations are going to surround Israel. And in Israel 39, it talks about how all of these nations are going to receive the wrath of God for coming up against Israel and that there will be no question left that there is a God in Israel. But one of the things that is stressed in Ezekiel 38 is that Israel is alone, that there is nobody to assist Israel, nobody wants to assist Israel, and the only way that that happens, folks, is if the United States doesn't exist. And I have said for decades now that the only way that the United States wouldn't exist is if, A, the rapture occurs and Christians are removed from the planet, or, and or, B, the United States ceases to exist. Well, what we are seeing play out in the world right now is the globalist movement is collapsing. And a new nationalist movement is occurring all over the world, being led by Russia and China and India. This new nationalist movement, a, a, a movement back to individual nations, individual cultures. And that in and of itself is not a bad thing per se. But let's just say... Because another thing that we're watching, economically speaking, is that Russia, China, and India have created an economic partnership, actually two economic partnerships, but the one that, that I'm looking at is the Shanghai Cooperative. And this economic partnership is quickly, as, as the U.S. is declining in economic power, Russia and China and India, with their economic partnership, are increasing in economic power to the point where people are seriously, very seriously discussing dropping the U.S. dollar as the standard uh, form of, of payment, the, the petrol dollar. Uh, the Middle East is now talking about dropping the petrol dollar. And, and going to uh, something else. And, and at this point, the, it, the Chinese are more heavily influential in the Middle East than the United States is. Hell, they brokered a peace deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran. 
And if you look at the, the map of the nations that are currently involved in this Shanghai cooperative, it looks very much like the map of the nations that come up against Israel in the Ezekiel 38 prophecy. Surprise, surprise. The Bible was right again. Now, not all of them, necessarily, but certainly it is starting to look more like that. So the United States is waning in economic and political power in the world and is culturally splitting. Well, what would happen if we culturally split, if we split like Israel did? Well, I'm telling you, it would look very much the same thing, uh, very much the same way as what happened to Israel. The blue states, being the pagan Israel states, would be basically kicked out of the Union. The red states would re-establish the sovereignty of the Constitution as it was written with perhaps some general changes. The way that this might play out politically is that the red states would finally call for an Article 5 convention of the states, and they would, uh, again, fix the Constitution in such a way that the current federal abuses could not happen again, and the blue states, finding this intolerable, would decide that they didn't want to be part of this new constitution and would opt out, and we in the red states would probably let them at this point. You want to go your own way? Fine. Go your own way. Get lost. That is one of the ways that this could likely play out. But but we're at a point, I honestly think we are at a point now where, where politically, culturally, and spiritually, there is no way, I'm going to say this again, there is no way that we can reconcile our differences anymore. The other side has gone way too far. They have gone all in in their dedication to the worship of pagan gods. They have delivered themselves up into that 100%. Their hearts have been hardened, or rather they have hardened their hearts against God. So from a spiritual perspective, they are rejecting 100% rejecting God in Christianity, upon which this country was founded. As a result, culturally, they have become bankrupt. Financially, they have become bankrupt. They have lost all discipline and control. And... The rest of the states and the rest of the people in the United States, while not necessarily being Christian per se, are definitely not pagan and have not given themselves over to pagan worship practices and have not given themselves over culturally to those practices, seeing on a, an economic and cultural level how destructive that is to a society 
the vast majority of people in the red states have decided that they are not going to go that way. Again, we are at a point in the United States where the differences are irreconcilable. And I believe there is going to be a split, though I don't think it is going to be like a hot civil war necessarily or anything like that. I think it is just going to be, we're going to separate from you, you're going to separate from us, and we're going to go our separate ways. As a result, the blue states will almost immediately be absorbed into some other nation or nations with similar belief systems, be that uh, Canada or the, the liberal parts of Canada are going to probably absorb the northeastern blue states uh, and the northern blue states, whereas the west uh, western blue states are likely going to be absorbed by Mexico. Uh, at least at this point, that's what it looks like to me. And then the central states and the Gulf states, the red states, are actually, I think, possibly going to expand north all the way to Alaska because I believe the same situation is going to play out in Canada and that the the rural Canadian uh States. I don't know if they have states up in Canada. I, I don't know how, how that works politically, their political divisions, uh, geographic political divisions. But anyway, the red areas, the conservative areas of Canada, I believe, are going to join the United States. Now, one would think this would, and this will, to a certain extent, lead to um, economic prosperity on the part of the uh, new red states. However, because of this global rejection of globalism and this move towards regionalism or cultural regionalism, if you will, um, because of that move towards culturalism, uh, I'm not sure if that's a new word, but that's what I'm going to say, there's not going to be as much of a uh, desire for projection of power over the world, especially in the United States, who and 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 Canada, the West, uh, the 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 very West, uh, who have suffered under a federal government who has unnecessarily put us through over twenty years, 20 straight years of war. We are not going to want any part of that. And that actually may be the thing that forces the rift in the United States also. Because the federal government is dead set on pulling us into another war, a World War III, and we don't want any part of that. We do not want any part of that here in the United States. So that might be the thing that actually creates the rift. It might not be an Article 5 convention of the states at first, because if you haven't been keeping up, the federal government, the Biden administration, which is actually the uh, third Obama administration, there's no question about that now, uh, has agreed to allow 
Western countries, uh, European countries, to give Ukraine F-16 fighter jets, American-made F-16 fighter jets. This is a huge escalation in the war effort. The war that Washington, that, that the Obama administration, that the left, the globalists are prosecuting against Russia. And they're doing this against Russia because Russia is breaking from the globalist movement. And they want Russia and they need Russia. They want Russia's uh, uh, natural resources primarily. But they need Russia to be on board and Russia ain't on board. So, so this push for a global war, the globalist push for a war, that might be the thing that, that breaks the camel's back. And indeed, now that I think of it, the blue states not being able to survive on their own because they absolutely would not be able to survive without the red states might be absorbed into what are left like the 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 states that are part of the the globalist movement uh may kind of form their own weakened but but you know little union and that might be how that plays out there might be a a globalist movement that the blue states join into and that they support each other uh economically uh, and and otherwise politically uh, that could be but we're going to have this new north american situation and this new North American situation is not going to want anything to do with the projection of international power. And while they may be economically powerful, they're not going to be the United States like we once were. And we might be less uh, we might be more reticent to uh, militarily support other nations. We may become more, uh, with, the, with the nationalism, we may become more, uh, what's the word, isolationist. Not completely necessarily. I mean, I'm not saying that we would give up on Israel entirely, but... This creates a situation such that the United States no longer exists. And Russia, already becoming a growing economic power with its partners, would continue to do so. And then Russia becomes the big boy on the block. And the United States, well, we don't care, we're fine. We got everything that we need. And since we decided that we didn't want a war with Russia, Russia didn't want a war with us. Russia's perfectly fine, uh, you know, running the East. We're fine doing what we do in the West. And as a result, once again, as it has been throughout history, Israel becomes the epicenter of the world. Right in between the East and the West. This sets up 
the Ezekiel 38 prophecy, the political, cultural, spiritual situation that we are going through right now in the United States is setting up, from what I can see at this point, it is setting up the Ezekiel 38 prophecy. And the Ezekiel 38 prophecy, ladies and gentlemen, sets up the tribulation. You see, again, this is, this is how I see this working out. So from, from the uh, national divorce, I think that we are going to see one more great spiritual Christian revival. It's already happening elsewhere in the world. It just hasn't reached the United States yet, or it's just now, just now starting. It's just now sparking in the United States. Sometimes I think it's sputtering, but it's, it's just now happening in the United States. But I think there is going to be one more massive global Christian revival. And I think with this global Christian revival is going to be, as is usually the case, a period of prosperity. And with the period of prosperity is going to follow, ironically, a lack of reliance on God. And with the lack of reliance on God, I think that the church is, the church is going to become, and when I say the church, I'm not talking about a denomination. I'm not talking about the Catholic church. I'm not talking about the Eastern Orthodox church. I'm not talking, I am talking about the church, the body of Christ, the church that follows the Bible. And that's all, that's it, nothing else. The church will begin to dwindle. It will begin to get fat and happy and lazy, just as it's, it, it is in many places right now, if you go and you look at these megachurches. That's going to happen again, but on a grander scale. And then the church will become pretty much useless and pointless, as is described in the book of Revelation, in the letters to the churches. You say you are rich, but I say you are poor, you are naked. Well, once that happens, and I've said this before too, I think that's when the rapture is going to occur. Again, Jesus pointed out the end times, he said, are going to be like Noah and the flood, like Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. In both of those cases, the vast majority of the world was wicked, and there was only one person left who could have been considered righteous. And those people were extracted, and then judgment was brought down. I believe the same thing is going to happen with the tribulation. I think that there will be very few actual, real, practicing Christians left, and that they will be extracted so that the judgment can come down. And I think that will happen either just before, or I think it's going to happen just before the um, 
Ezekiel 38 prophecy. Then the Ezekiel 38 prophecy is going to happen. And Ezekiel 39 is going to happen where these, excuse me, <clears throat> the Ezekiel 39 prophecy is going to happen where these nations who came up against Israel are going to uh, be destroyed in such a way that there is no question that it was God who did it and that there is a God in Israel. They, all of these nations in Ezekiel 38 are going to come up against Israel in a warlike manner, and then they are going to be destroyed. And then, then, one man is going to appear. And that one man is going to propose a peace deal. That one man is going to propose a peace deal between the rest of the world and Israel. And that peace treaty is going to be set for a period of seven years. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be the beginning of the tribulation. How long all of this is going to take? No idea. I think it's going to take actually quite a while. I don't know that I will see it in my lifetime, honestly. And, and if you had asked me like five years ago, I would have told you that the tribulation or the, the, the rapture is right around the corner. Well, if you had asked me 10 years ago. But now, no, I don't think so. I think if this plays out the way that it's looking like it's going to play out, we've got a good 50, 60 years, maybe longer. I mean, maybe we could push it 100, but I kind of doubt it. I'm thinking along the lines of a good 50, 60 years from, from the split. I'm going to say 80 max from the time of the national divorce. I'm going to say 80 years max before the Ezekiel 38, before the, before the rapture in Ezekiel 38 are possible. Now, I could be wrong. I frequently am. Ask my wife. But that's the way I see things working out as of this point. I do not, again, I'm going to reiterate, I, I just do not see a way for the United States as it currently exists to move forward, even past 2024. Let's say that a, a halfway fair election occurs. Um, let's just say that that happens. Let's say that Trump is reelected president of the United States. The left are simply not going to give up power. They're not going to do it. They just won't do it. There will not be a transfer of power. 
I just don't see that happening. Uh, and and that's going to be the beginning of the end for the United States as it exists currently. Now, that's going to come with you know various difficulties politically, economically, and so forth. <clears throat> but I think it is going to play out very much the way that the split of uh, Israel and Judah played out. And it is going to open the door for the Ezekiel 38 prophecy. That's the way I see things playing out from, from this point. I mean, you know, things could change today. You know, different, you know, things could just change today. We shall see. Anyway, that's my rambling for today. I want to thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please, please share this out there to your friends and family. And you can catch my videos on bitshoot.com, B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E.com, odyssey.com, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com, and rumble.com. I will occasionally have, and, and I, you know, actually do frequently have video content on there that I do not discuss here in the podcast. And if you are listening to this on BitChute, Rumble, or Odyssey, you can catch my podcast anywhere you can get podcasts, pretty much, with the exception of uh, Apple, uh, because I will not fill out their paperwork. Um which I'm sure it, it just bothers them to death. They're like, oh, we can't get Doc Bryant on our show and, and all six of his listeners. Um, and again, I want to thank all six of you listeners out there. Um, but yes, and, and apparently the, the number one uh, thing that people are listening to my podcast on is, is Amazon Podcasts. So yes, I am on Amazon Podcasts and, and also Spotify and Stitcher and Audible. Uh, Google Podcasts, I'm on there too, pretty sure. Anyway, once again, thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you all later.